Hello, and welcome to this week's episode of Beat My Guest. I'm your host, AJ Mass. If you're new to the show, each week I invite a guest to sit in the hot seat and field questions in a wide variety of topics, earning points for the episode on a scale of 1 to 100. For those of you playing along at home, you have but one task set before you, and that is to see if you can beat my guest. Mm, but before you can beat my guest, you need to meet my guest. So let's give a warm welcome to today's guest, Mary-Kate Harkreader. Mary-Kate, how are you today? I'm doing all right. I'm doing good. How about yourself? I'm doing just fine and dandy. Now, Mary-Kate, this is season five of Beat My Guest, but it is your debut in the hot seat. So uh, by way of initiation, uh, no hazing, but, you know, by way of initiation, can you tell everyone a little bit about yourself? What brings you to the hot seat today? Why you agreed to do this uh, very, very uh, sometimes painful (laughs) task? Yeah, long-time listener, first-time caller. Uh, I'm from the great city of Tulsa, Oklahoma, and uh, I have been listening to your show and other trivia shows for a long time and kept saying that I wanted to do it. And my friend Cheyenne finally got me to get up the courage and take the plunge. So here I am. Excellent. Excellent. Well, any friend of Cheyenne is a friend of mine, or at least uh, you know, potentially. I mean, I suppose you don't, actually, <laughs> you don't have to commit to that. <laughs> Well, let me explain to you, uh, and in case someone is listening for the first time, maybe you are new. If you are new, where have you been? But welcome. Uh, here's how the game works. There are going to be four rounds of four questions each. In each round, Mary-Kate, I'll let you know the categories in order that we'll be using for that round. Before we read each question, you get to lock in how many points you wish each question to be worth. Get it right, you get the points. It is just that simple. There's also going to be a halftime bonus worth 10 points. And at the end of the game, you get to field what we call the confidence question, which is your last chance to try and improve your final score. But I will explain all of that nonsense when we get there. We cannot get there until we hit the ground running with round one. Mary-Kate, are you ready to go? Maybe. <laughs> yes. I will take that as a yes. <laughs> uh, it's okay. I treat all my guests with the same level of kid glovery, which is to say there are spikes at the ends. Watch yourself. <laughs> I know, I can see. Uh, the point value is available to you. One, three, five, and seven. And here are the categories we're going to be using today in round one, Mary-Kate. We're going to kick things off with audio hodgepodge, which admittedly is a bit of a lifestyle. We're going to follow it up with movies. Move along to Around the World. And we are going to finish off round one with science. Well, first things first, audio hodgepodge. Mary-Kate, one, three, five, or seven. Oh... This one, I'm very inconsistent with this one, but I'm looking at the movies, and I think I'm going to do three on the audio. Three points for audio hodgepodge. Yeah, tip your foot in the pool. It's all good. We shall see how it goes. Here's how it works. I'm going to ask you a question, and then when I'm done with the question, I'm going to play a little clip for you. The idea is that after you hear the clip, you'll have a better chance of answering the question than you did before you heard the clip. Yeah. <laughs> it doesn't mean you're going to get it right, but <laughs> you know, it does improve the odds greatly, especially with today's question. Uh, <laughs> mm-hmm. To prove that point, name either of the people talking in this clip. Uh, do you have an answer now? No, of course you don't. <laughs> So, Mary-Kate, that is indeed today's first question. A name for me, either of the two people you can hear talking in the following clip. Well, uh, you didn't hear much applause, though, in those movies, did you? No, never. There were all those people out there in the dark. 
Oh, you sound like Norma. Oh, I remember that movie, darling. You sir? And when you killed William Holden? Oh, oh my gosh, and he was face down in the pool. <laughs> I would have shot him from the front, let him fall backwards and get the last look. <laughs> You know, I have uh, wanted to ask you, because I've watched you many times, how many uh, husbands you've had? How many? Yes. I had six husbands of my own and four of my friends. I'll tell you what, I feel like I can recognize those voices, but I just cannot for the life of me put any kind of name to them. It's not happening for me. Not happening. Did you happen to uh, <sighs> get the context of what they were talking about, perhaps? Uh, yeah, I, I, and it's still, like, just nothing is coming to me. When I hear, a, you know, a bunch of husbands, I think about Elizabeth Taylor. And so that's what I'm going to go with, uh, because she's been married about 55 times. This is uh, <laughs> probably a, a bit of hyperbole, but uh, your point is well taken. Just a little. Uh, indeed. Well, so clearly that was uh, someone interviewing someone else. The person being interviewed uh, was, well, by context, you could tell she was an actress. She mentioned that uh, she had uh, shot William Holden uh, in uh, one of her roles. Uh, she, oh, you're talking about Norma. Uh, referring to, of course, the movie Sunset Boulevard. I'm ready for my close-up, Mr. DeMille. The actress being uh, interviewed is Gloria Swanson. That was one possible answer there. Uh, the other one, probably a bit more difficult and a little bit more obscure, depending on, on your age, and I wouldn't deign to ask. That would be uh, a puppet by the name of Madam who was voiced by a ventriloquist by the name of Wayland Flowers. So the two voices you heard were Gloria Swanson or Wayland Flowers. Uh, you have any idea what I'm talking about with either of those names? Oh, God. You know, I wish I did, but no, not not really. Really starting this one off with a bang here. <laughs> you know, in fairness, that was, that was a tough one to, to get going here. Yeah, uh, Madam was uh, essentially the uh, Triumph, the insults comic dog of... of that generation, uh, kind of a Punch and Judy, uh, Lady Elaine Fairchild kind of puppet. That uh, what, what year was that? Uh, uh, ish, ish, late seventies, early eighties, uh, maybe. Yeah, no, I was very far away from being born. Yeah, uh -huh. don't, <laughs> yeah don't make me feel too old. That's all. <laughs> fair enough. Fair enough. Only three points. Only three points. But you know what? You've now gotten your feet wet. You, you're, you're starting to get uh, a little uh, used to the hot seat. Perhaps uh, that's all you need to get the ball rolling downhill. Let's move on to movies. Movies is next. You have one. You have five. You have seven. I'm going to do one on this one. One, one on movies. I don't know how this is going to go. <laughs> <sighs> we shall see. Uh, keep, keep in mind, keep in mind, if you could, sometimes you can pick up the clues in the stream of consciousness as, as we go from question to question here. Uh, let's see what you can do with the following one point. No big loss if you don't get it right. One point movie question. Christy Swanson and Jeb Stewart Adams starred in what 1987 film directed by, perhaps ironically, a man named Jeffrey Bloom? Well, let's see here. I don't know anything about any of this. I really don't know much about anything at all. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but I hear ironically, and uh, that's got to be either with, of course, with his name, Jeff, or Bloom. And 
Um, well, my mind is going here is bloom with that would have to do with something with flowers, maybe, maybe. Um, and I can't recall if this was made into a movie, but I re- think it was a book. And so, on going on the bloom flowers thing, I'm gonna go with flowers in the attic. Flowers in the attic is your answer. So, uh, Christy Swanson. Probably, uh, although she's somehow, for some reason, gotten herself involved in, in the political discourse today's uh, era, and certainly not on the right side as far as I'm concerned. Uh, but she was uh, Buffy the Vampire Slayer in the uh, in the movie. Uh, but before that, she had a little little role playing a member of a brother-sister incest <gasps> plot line. Originally, Wes Craven wrote a script that uh, the author approved, and the producer says, no, we are not turning this into a horror film, and they tried to sanitize it. Took out most of the uh, brother-sister storyline there, which is kind of the only reason V.C. Andrews wrote the book in the first place. Flowers in the Attic is correct, and you, <laughs> Mary Kate, are on the board. Well done. Oh my god, my goal was to get one correct, and it only took me two tries. And I want to make sure and get one more correct. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, baby steps, there you go. Yeah, they recently, uh, last few years, they did a remake on Lifetime, I believe. Uh, Heather Graham took over the matriarch role, and uh, one of the the brother was played by a a guy who was once on Survivor. It just did not... (laughs) It's an awful, awful movie. Uh, a lot of scenery chewing going on there. Uh, uh-huh. And such a wholesome family tale. Yeah, exactly. I haven't read the book. Obviously, I didn't know it had been turned into a movie twice. Well. Indeed. Indeed. Well, uh, let us not put a roadblock in here. Let us keep on uh, yeah. easing down down the road and go around the world uh, five points or seven points. I like to think that I'm pretty good at science, which is coming up next, so I'm going to do five. Five points for Around the World. Good luck, and here is your five-point question. A secret Catholic church reached through a hidden door in the living room of an otherwise ordinary house is known as Our Dear Lord in the Attic. In what city can you find this site, which has now been transformed into a museum? Okay, well, the connection there is attic, so I don't have anything there to go on. Where would there be a reason for a Catholic church to be a secret? Maybe somewhere where it's not okay to be a Christian, of course. So, oh, man, I uh, stumped. Secret, our dear Lord in the attic. Our dear Lord in the attic. And it's a tourist attraction. Well, it's a museum. Museum, museum, sorry. Which, I mean, technically, yeah, it would be yeah. a tourist attraction as well. Yeah. Yeah. Am I thinking about this like too seriously, where it's actually like kind of a joke thing? I don't know. I have no idea. I am completely clueless as to what this could possibly be. I've never heard of it. So I am going to say Istanbul for no reason other than. Istanbul. Istanbul for no reason other than you refuse to say Constantinople. I see what you're doing there. (laughs) This was an interesting thing. I I was uh, trying to spin off, of course, from, from, you know, the first question was Wayland Flowers, then I went Flowers in the Attic, so clearly I had to continue on with an attic question, and my first instinct was to uh, 
uh, do some sort of question about perhaps Anne Frank, who was hidden in an attic during World War II. Suddenly I, I stumbled upon this, the church known as On Olivia Upsolder, which is uh, the Dutch phrase for Our Dear Lord in the Attic. Uh, apparently they have a lot of hiding places in Amsterdam. Oh, I, my back, my first thought was to think about the uh, you know, Anne Frank angle also, but I couldn't make any kind of connection there. I didn't think. And that's because there wasn't. <laughs> <laughs> well, sometimes it's good to think, sometimes it's not. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> you know, perhaps if you visit the Anne Frank Museum, you should think and not put, oh, she would have been a great girl, would have been a great believer. Like, <laughs> just, just, just saying, Justin, that wasn't your best look, but... Then again, with all those tattoos, there are a few looks that are... Anyway, science! Science is next. Science is next. Seven points, Mary-Kate, for science. Good luck. Here is your seven-point science question. The Turritopsis dorney is a creature that, when threatened, can transform back into its juvenile state, essentially making it able to live forever. What have scientists dubbed this creature? That's Turritopsis dorney. T-U-R-R-I-T-O-P-S-I-S, Turritopsis, Dorney, D-O-H-R-N-I-I, because the spelling's going to help. <sighs> My first thing when I hear science and a really cool creature is that the, uh, the, the tardigrade in the water bear, but I don't think that's it because it can freeze, right, and uh, kind of like stay in a certain, in its state. Uh, but it doesn't reverse. But I think about reversing and um, uh, things makes me think about like Benjamin Button. Uh, so going back, reversing an age back to a juvenile state. Should this be something that's big, a big scale? I wouldn't think so. It's got to be something on a small scale that has a pretty specific juvenile state. Uh, so maybe some type of amphibian. I think fish can't go back to being eggs. And humans can't go back to being infants. Although we might like to sometime. Um, so I'm going to kind of stick with the amphibian uh, angle here. And I'm going to go with a uh, the Benjamin Button Frog. The Benjamin Button Frog. And an excellent delightful guess yeah they uh, perhaps they might have uh, dubbed it the uh, brad pitt snake i don't know <laughs> was that just, that was just the issue of playgirl right <laughs> oh dear lord uh, whew, I'm uh <laughs> i think you you were you were on the right track to be sure uh, it it's fascinating that i i think if you know, scientists are really excited about this uh, because... Now I'm thinking attic, and I'm thinking maybe I should have gone with a bat. No, no, no. No, no, no that's a mammal. No. It can't go backwards. Okay, keep Don't going. I'm about sorry. That. Yeah. No, no, no. That's, that's, that's all right. Uh, they, uh, yeah, I, they're really interested in studying this because they figure if they can figure out what in the heck is going on genetically, then who knows where they could uh, take this someday. Basically, these creatures, they have, as you said, a distinct juvenile state, an adult state. They get older, they reach the age of maturity, they have babies, and then instead of dying, they just go bloop and go back into this blob of jelly that they started from. It is the immortal jellyfish. Ah, well, can't say that I knew that one, but now I'm going to look it up. 
Got yeah, apparently uh, the only re- reason it would die is not because of old age or anything like that, but because uh, you know some kid stepped on it on the beach. You know, that's basically the only, it's oh, the only natural predator. <laughs> well, uh, you know, round one, and the first round of the hot seat, always difficult, but you've done better than most because you were not shut out. I mean, it was the lowest scoring question, but at least they <laughs> do not have to mock you for the goose egg. You have a point. Oh, boy, howdy. I have one. <laughs> hey, you have one. You yeah, just said you have one. I did. Yeah. All right. I, I did what I came here to do. See you later. <laughs> uh, Mary-Kate, round two. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, there's more. Uh, well, listen, for you, and just because uh, I like the cut of your jib, I'm going to increase the point values to two, four, six, and eight. And I'm going to give you four brand new categories here in round two. And here these categories be. We're going to kick things off with music. Follow it up with Odd Man Out. Move along to sports. And we're going to wrap up the first half and round two with not-so-current events. First things first, music is on tap. What song you singing for me this afternoon, two, four, six, or eight? You know... I like to think that I know a lot about music, but sometimes when I listen to this, I um, realize that I know nothing. You're, you're, part I, of, you're part of the Hot Seat Resident John Snow Club. I understand. <laughs> oh, but then I look, I see sports coming up, and as much as I love to watch sports, and I am very consumed with sports, I don't know much about that. I'm going to put a six on music. I'm going to do six. Six points on music. Good luck. Here is your six-point music question. Angelo Moore was the lead singer, as well as playing saxophone, and even the theremin for what band, which had modest hits in the early 90s with the contradictory Sunless Saturday and Everyday Sunshine? Okay, sax and theremin. What had the theremin, Angelo Moore... Last question was about a uh, jellyfish immortal. Okay, so sunshine, sunless Saturday. Uh, nothing is clicking for me here. Angelo Moore plays the sax and the theremin. This is a weird little. Even the best players on that, it still sounds just terrible unless it's Halloween, which it's getting close to be. But, let's see, Immortal, Immortal, I'm looking around here, all these posters around me, <laughs> what do I have here around me that, what played, who played a saxophone and a theremin for songs in the early 90s? And he was also the lead singer. And the lead singer. Obviously not at the same time. <laughs> Maybe he was. <laughs> Man. I, I feel like I keep just saying, like, oh, I don't know. I have no idea. And it's because I don't. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, let's see. I can pretend. I can just say a whole bunch of band names and be like, oh, well, it's not this, 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 or this. Uh, oh, God. Maybe it's uh, something on the album cover. Is there? Can I think of an album cover with a jellyfish on the front of it? Jelly. I mean, I'm... The thing that first thing that comes to mind is when I hear jelly is she don't use jelly, but that's by the Flaming Lips, and uh, their lead singer is not Angelo Moore. Um, Immortal, there's a band Immortal, but I don't think that a uh, the metal band Immortal would have a sax or a theremin in it. So 
I am going to go with... I can't think of anything, so I'm just going to throw out a joke answer here of the dead Kenny G's, because why not? <laughs> the dead Kenny G's. Yeah. Uh, of course, Fleming Lips, an Oklahoma band, if I recall correctly. So Yes, uh, you do. Well, remember there, Wayne Coyne, who uh, recently did some stuff, I think, with uh, Miley Cyrus. Yeah, uh, I actually got to uh, dance on stage with them at a concert, and Wayne Coyne sang me happy birthday. So that was a pretty cool experience. There you go. Yeah. There you go. So you're you're not as musically uh, illiterate as you let on. Uh, <laughs> I don't know about that. However, uh, no, uh, you didn't get this one, but that's okay. Uh, so there were this band was probably... You know, it was of a time, certainly, yeah. Because uh, the members of this band were uh, African-American, the the fact that they were playing hard rock kind of was kind of unique. Uh, Living Color was a band that also <gasps> said, it, this is not Living Color, but Living Color was another band of this nature. Um, this band had brothers John and Phil Fisher in the band, and they named the band Fishbone. Yep, yep. Fishbone. Yeah. Their shirts were everywhere in the early <laughs> 90s. Oh, man. Couldn't swing a cat without hitting one. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I I, I beg you don't. (laughs) (laughs) Cannot give you the points, but uh, I'll give you a G for effort. Bless us all. Let's move on. Quickly. Odd Man Out is next. Odd Man Out. I will give you a list of four items. You must simply tell me which of those four items is Odd Man Out, two, four, or eight points. <sighs> you know, I'm looking at the, the rest of the categories here, and it's truly going to be a crapshoot for me, no matter what. Jesus, Louises. Uh, I'll go with four on Odd Man Out. So, uh, as I said, I'm going to give you four items. And you must tell me which one is the odd man out for a... You don't have to come up with a reason. If you just guess randomly and get it right, I will give you the points. However, it's probably good to at least try and come up with some sort of rationale. And it's going to be some sort of rationale uh, beyond uh, the obvious. So, if uh, you know, if three of them were named Steve and one of them was named Joe, the answer would not be, he's named Joe and the other three are named Steve. <laughs> Here is your odd man out. Michael C. Hall. Peter Krause. Richard Jenkins, William H. Macy. Which one is odd man out? Okay. All right. So let's see. Try to make this connection here to the one before with Fishbone or Sax and the Theremin or Sunshine. Could be Sunshine. Could be none of those things. Or Saturday. Sunless Saturday. Oh, man. You know, I don't know. I mean, I can see... I feel like I might be making some type of connection between these, but I have really no faith in myself to to uh, to select what the common thread is between these men. Well, do any of their names at least uh, ring a bell? Have you yes. I mean, I do know who most of them are. And I'm going to have to take a shot in the dark here and cross my fingers on a 25% chance and say the odd man out would be Richard Jenkins. Richard Jenkins, you say, is odd man out and for no reason other than you are uh, throwing a dart? Mm Mm-hmm. 
I'm not very good at darts. (laughs) (laughs) Fair enough. Uh, Now, if I I were to just ask you uh, what profession all four of these men share. Well, they're actors. Okay, well, there you go. Could you possibly name off some of the roles that any of them might uh, spring to mind? Well, now that's pushing it a little bit. Okay, all right. But they were they did like teen movies, right? Where they like like Michael C. Hall was he like did he was he a teen actor? No, no, that is Anthony Michael Hall. Oh, malarkey! Oh, wrong I was thinking of the wrong person. That's okay. Uh, he Michael C. Hall is an actor. Is an actor. <laughs> so it's not, you had the right profession. Uh, Michael C. Hall, uh, of course. Uh, he was a star of Dexter, so you can get the oh, picture. Oh, oh, oh. Did they all play murderers? They did not all play murderers. Uh, 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 all right, I'm just going to let you finish. Fair enough. No, I like I like the interaction. <laughs> this is good. This is good. Again, audio medium. <laughs> so uh, Michael C. Hall, in addition to playing Dexter, uh, was also on a little TV show uh, where he played one of the members of the Fisher family. That is your spinoff from the previous question. Mm-hmm. As I said, there were John and Phil Fisher, the brothers of Fishbone. Mm-hmm. Uh, he played David Fisher on a little TV show called Six Feet Under. His brother, Nate, was played by Peter Krause. And his father, Nate Sr., was played by Richard Jenkins, which ah! makes William Macy the only one of the four who was not on Six Feet Under playing a member of the Fisher family. He is odd man out, although he did co-star with Peter Krause on Sports Night, so there was a little bit less than random reason why he's on the list there. And, of course, he had nothing to do with Felicity Huffman's illegal college uh, contributions whatsoever. No, no, he was completely in the dark. Not at all. Don't you dare, dare defame the name of William H. Macy. The burdens of being rich. <sighs> points you are not rich of, unfortunately. Um, oh Lord, I know the burdens of being point poor. <laughs> <laughs> but you know what? Plenty of time. Plenty of time. Two questions left in this round. You have the high and the low, and you have sports. Two or eight points, Mary Kate, for sports. Well, like I said before, I love sports. I watch it all the time. As far as trivia goes, I'm not great at it, but not current events sounds like history, which I am also not great at. So, just in the in the uh, theme of throwing a lot at the things that I love, I will put an eight on sports and have nightmares about this later. Well, I cannot predict your dreams, but uh, perhaps I can predict that at least you'll be you should be able to at least come up with a reasonable guess for this one. But we shall see. Okay. Here is your. Eight-point sports question. Mary-Kate, Jeff Fisher won 173 games as an NFL head coach over the course of his career. However, he never had a winning record in any of his five seasons coaching what team? Well, I've got no clue. None at all. Didn't start watching NFL until uh, I got with Brian, and then I unintentionally became a Chiefs fan who... As he tells me, and I've experienced the pain of being a Chiefs fan. And since I don't know who this is, and I've really got no leads one way or the other, except to post a bunch of wins and still have a losing record, I am going to go with the pain of being a Chiefs fan and say the Kansas City Chiefs. The Kansas City Chiefs 
is your answer. <sighs> now, Jeff Fisher, <laughs> Jeff Fisher won a lot of games as a coach of the Tennessee Titans for many years, and then uh, kind of hit the wall there, and they said, see ya, bye-bye. And so he, as you know, they say NFL coaches are hired to be fired. Uh, <laughs> yeah. And, and so I mean, very- the worst team I can think of is the Browns, and Lord Jesus, if that's the answer, then... It is not the Browns, oh. no. However, it, like, it, is, it is probably uh, not possible for you to have gotten closer geographically, for this is the other team from the state of Missouri, although they are no longer St. there. St. Louis have, Rams. Uh, yeah, the St. Uh. Louis slash Los Angeles Rams. He uh, did make the trip west, and then, uh, you know, why, why, why did he bother packing and buying a new home? <laughs> because he didn't keep it very long. You are right. I could not have gotten closer to the answer and just messed up that onside kick for sure. Yeah, all yeah, the Chiefs have had a lot of coaches who like were those kind of like Marty Schottenheimer. You, you just couldn't seem to get over the hump kind of coaches <laughs> there. But you know, you, you guys will be okay with Pat Mahomes for the next decade, probably. So, oh, fingers crossed. All right. Well, one question left in the half. It is one of our new categories for this season. It is called not so current events. Let me explain what this is, Mary Kate. So you know, current events. Very simply would be a question about events that are going on about as close to present day as possible. In not-so-current events, I'm going to ask you a question, which is going to sound like it is about something going on right now, but in fact is culled from the headlines of one year ago. So it's still relatively current. But not so current uh, as current. Fart. Should have used my eight on this. Well, we shall see. <laughs> We'll see if it made a difference. <laughs> oh. But I, I hope you make it. I'd rather you live with the regret of six fewer points than you could have had than no points at all. So, let's fingers crossed. Here is your not-so-current event question from October of 2018. Secretary of State Mike Pompeo visited what world leader in order to try and help persuade him to cooperate with an investigation of wrongdoing? Again, this is 2018. Oh, God. There's just so much wrongdoing. <laughs> and the investigation of wrongdoing right now, in all of its just blossoming branches, is Ukraine. But a year ago, we were still just chest deep wading through the muck of the Russia investigation, I think. That's the only major investigation I can think of as far... But then now I'm going to talk myself out of this one. I don't know what else a year ago we would be talking about for some another foreign leader to... Co- oh! Oh. Oh. Jamal Khashoggi was murdered about a year ago. And so that would have been MBS... Mohammed bin Salman. Do I need to tell you the country or the... Uh, I was looking for the world leader, so... The leader. Uh, I'm going to go with MBS, Mohammed bin Salman. MBS, Mohammed bin Salman, is your answer. So uh, what I really love about this new category is uh, I'm, I'm going to try and find something that sounds like I could be asking it today. And then you hear the answer or you, you, you start thinking about it and you realize how 
so much has changed in the world and yet so little has changed in the oh, world. Oh my god, I know. And and then like the possibilities of the please cooperate with this investigation. Hold on. Let me figure out which investigation we're talking about. Indeed. Well, <laughs> you so aptly remembered that journalist Jamal Khashoggi went into the embassy in Turkey and did not come out. And so Mike Pompeo uh, you know, very interested in getting to the bottom of things, said, I know how we'll get to the bottom of things. I'm going to fly to Saudi Arabia, and I'm going to talk to the king and see if he can give me the answers. And as it turns out, we have all the answers, and all the world's ills are, 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 are done and over with. Hooray! Yeah! But you know what? Hooray! Because two points for you, the correct answer is indeed King Mohammed bin Salman, or, as I also would have accepted, MBS. Well done. Very good. I have gotten the lowest points in both rounds thus far. However, you avoid getting the goose egg. <laughs> I mean, are you allergic to uh, <laughs> the ovum from uh, this foul? I don't know, but uh, there was no foul on that play. Two points for you. Excellent job, Mary-Kate. Yeah, add those two to the one you had coming in the round, and three points. Uh, again, Sorry. not a shining paragon of score. <laughs> But far from the worst we've ever seen on this show. So mission accomplished there as well. Oh, hallelujah. It is time for Halftime, Mary-Kate. Here's how Halftime works. I am going to give you a category of a top ten list. You are going to think about it for a little bit and give me one answer that you think is on that list. If you give me the number one answer, you will earn one point. Give me the number two answer, you earn two points. And all the way down to what you're shooting for, really is the number 10 answer, which will be worth 10 points. However, the risk involved here is that if you give me an answer that is 11 onward, not on my list, that goose egg that you've been avoiding will, <laughs> will be proudly handed to your nest and you'll be stuck with it, saddled with it for the rest of eternity. I want to keep my nest empty. There you go, Richard Mulligan. There you go. <laughs> I don't know if you get that, but hey, for those of you I who don't. do... Nest. There you go. There yes, you go. Yes. Yes. Ah, took place in Miami. <laughs> it's a Golden Girls spinoff, uh, folks. <laughs> Which incidentally is considered the worst episode of Golden Girls ever because the entire episode uh, was basically introducing this new show that was going to be spun off, and it was actually the season finale of Golden Girls was a was a backdoor pilot. Oof. Oh, why would Oof. you do that? I don't know. But that's neither here nor there. <laughs> here is your top 10 list for this halftime bonus. Mary-Kate, the top 10 deadliest countries for journalists, which means in 2018, the Committee to Protect Journalists released a list of the 10 countries within which the most journalists were killed. So this is a list of the top 10 countries with the most murders of journalists within that country are we talking per capita or total number just a total number okay just a total number this take a, a few minutes to think about your answer and we'll be back to hear what that answer is after the break if you'd like to support beat my guest helping to make more episodes like this possible please consider becoming a patron. Check out patreon.com slash beatmyguest for details. And now back to me for the second half of this week's episode. 
And welcome back to Beat My Guest. My guest this week is Mary-Kate Hartreeder. When we last left Mary-Kate, she was sitting on three points, working on the following halftime bonus top ten list. The top ten deadliest countries for journalists. It is a list compiled in 2018 by the Committee to Protect Journalists, which lists the ten countries with the most journalists to have been killed within that country's borders, regardless of the reporter's nationality. Mary-Kate, when you are ready, what country are you going to uh, uh, nominate for your points? Uh, I actually have a question. Is this for the year 2018, or is it for a like a, a group of years? It is for the year 2018. Okay, good. So it is, a, it is a modern-day single-calendar year uh, single assessment. Single-calendar year. Okay, because I was thinking back to the Charlie Hebdo, which would not put that on the list. All right, so uh, when I think dangerous countries for journalists, I think yeah, the, the most obvious ones would be, you know, where they oppress free speech. So Russia, maybe some areas that there's still conflict and wars, such as Syria, Turkey, uh, the, uh, I don't know about China, the, it, how, how that's going, how that would even be accurately reported. Australia is a dangerous country for everybody. <laughs> I don't think they discriminate against journalists. All the wildlife is just looking to kill everything. I also think about in the in the United States here where we've we've got some mass shootings that you know could that encompass let's see I think I I think I'm going to am I missing like a huge area where there's mm, I I'm I'm pretty much I think I'm avoiding South America completely if I think about kind of the uprising that or the unrest that was going on in Venezuela was that in 2018, and were any journalists lost in that? And then um, I think I'm gonna have to go with maybe something a little bit in the middle, uh, probably too high to the to the top. But I don't want to get a big fat zero here, um, and I'm just I'm just gonna go with Syria. I'm going to go with Syria. If I get one point, I get one point. I don't want to get zero, though. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? That's that's the strategy that's involved here. So if you think something, and you know, sometimes people, uh, I think when Cheyenne was on, he said, I don't want to get the number one answer. It turned out that would have been the 10-point answer. And <laughs> you just, that's you just... true. I, like I said, I don't know much about much, so I could be thinking that this is high, and it's truly not. Who knows? You know. <laughs> I do, and I'm about to tell you, you don't know how much, but I love you. <laughs> I don't get to break out the Iron Neville too often, so I couldn't resist. <laughs> All right, so here is your top ten list, and I'm going to give the entire top ten list uh, so that you playing at home can assess to see if you got the points, because obviously you're competing against Mary-Kate. For one point, the number one answer on our list, Afghanistan. Oh. War-torn... If, if, if your country's name is usually preceded by the adjective war-torn. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Mm. Afghanistan is number one. Number two on the list is Syria. Two, two points, points for you, Mary-Kate. You did yeah. not goose egg. 
Again, no <laughs> eggs for you. You're the, you're the exact opposite of the mass singer. No one is chanting egg, 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 egg. <laughs> Two points. Well done. Well done. The rest of the list for everybody else. Three points. India. Four points. Mexico. Five points. The United States of America. Dang it. Yeah, but you didn't know for sure. Hey, you know. There's a free press, but not free from death press when they get shot, as you said. Right. Yeah. Uh, six points, the Central African Republic. Seven points, Yemen. Eight points, here's your South America, Brazil. Nine points, staying in South America, Colombia. And ten points, it's a tiny country, but there's a lot of death, unfortunately, that would be Israel. Israel combined with the West Bank occupied territory. They're calling that Israel for purposes of journalism. So mm-hmm. there you go. Uh, Nevertheless, yeah. you did not get the goose egg. You got two points. I'm going to add that to the three you had coming in. And anytime you come out of the half with more points than you had going in, mission accomplished. Job well done. Yeah. Kudos to you. Five points as we enter round three, Mary-Kate. How are you feeling now that we're... Uh, heading into the second half. Um, I don't hate myself, so let's keep going. <laughs> well, that's better. You were ready to bail after round one, so I'm I'm, I'm happy I to know. hear. I know. Check out. Round three. Point values are going to stay the same at two, four, six, and eight, but the categories, they're going to be a little bit different. And here's what we're dealing with this time around, kicking things off with Fungo, moving along to Analogies. And then two of our newer categories here to close out round three. We're going to have the sorting hat. And I deafen grandma to wrap up round three. Fungo is up first, however. Two, four, six, or eight. Okay, I'm going to save that two for the last category because I still don't understand how it works. Well, uh, we, we, will, we will go into detail on the explanation oh, for you. Believe me, I've listened to the episodes twice. Way over my head. Um, so, Fungo, let's see, I am going to do, you know what, start out with a bang, let's throw an eight out there. Eight points for Fungo, probably a good strategy, uh, because, as you know, Fungo, three clues, Mm -hmm. each alike in dignity, all pointing towards the same single answer, good luck, here is your eight point Fungo, clue number one. Hill, famous for dairy. Clue number two. Feet that might be accomplished in the 10th frame. And clue number three. 70s insult, if you're familiar with jive. Oh, oh God, I am so glad I put eight on this one. So glad I put eight on this one. Look, now I'm all excited. I'm going to tell you my answer. You're going to be like, oh, no, sorry. <laughs> Uh, the correct answer was nowhere near what you said. Uh, here, 10th frame, and obviously 10th frame bowling. And you get up there and you do those three strikes in the 10th. Then, then, of course, jive, turkey. I used to call my, that's one of my things I call my friends. Oh, that's an insult. Say, like, hey, turkeys. And uh, my, uh, my friend Danica actually uh, has a cat named jive turkey. So I am going to go with turkey turkey is your answer indeed the hill famous for dairy there's a ice cream and uh, all sorts of good stuff in that regard would be turkey hill oh yeah. the 70s insult 
uh, jive turkey. You know, you had other other insults as well. <laughs> <laughs> Up your nose with a rubber hose. <laughs> but yes, turkey definitely a, a '70s insult. And as you said, three strikes in a row in any frame is called a turkey. But you do get the three balls in the tenth frame, which makes it far more likely that you could do it in one singular frame uh, when you have three balls to uh, roll down the alley. Eight points for you. Well done, yes! Mary Kate. Eight points. Oh, God. I am so proud of myself for that one. <laughs> Excellent job. Let's let's not restrict ourselves to just one correct in a, in a round. Let's see if we come out. You know, let's go. Let's, let's do this. Let's, optimism abounds. Oh, boy. All right. Let's go. You struck once. Let's strike at least two more times. Uh, and now the Jesus up next. Two, four, or six. Uh, like I said, the last two categories, I'm not sure that I'm comfortable with those yet. I'm going to go six on analogies. Six points on analogies. Good luck. Here is your analogy. Buster Bar is to Dairy Queen as Fudgy the Whale is to what? Fudgy. Okay, so this has got to be a mascot, right? Buster Bar to Dairy Queen as Fudgy Whale? Is that it? Fudgy the Whale. Fudgy the Whale is... Two. Okay, so um, trying to think here of some companies that aren't regional that would have a whale as a mascot. Here we got we've got Brahms, and you don't need a mascot at Brahms. And we also have Sonic. They don't really have a fudgy whale. Um, I'm thinking about like the Good Humor Man, but isn't the Good Humor Man the mascot of Good Humor? Uh, Fudgy the Whale, uh, Buster Bar, Dairy Queen. I don't even know, where do you go to get ice cream? Um, you know, where do you go to get ice cream that isn't Dairy Queen or, like, your little local regionalized places? I have no idea, and the only thing that's coming to me is either Popsicle because that's a brand name, and I don't recall seeing a whale on any of their stuff, could be, and good humor, and all I can think of for that is the good humor, man. So I've kind of got a 50-50 shot, uh, which I feel zero confidence either way. Um, And I'm going to go, let me think, walking through the dairy aisle, the ice cream (laughs) aisle, I don't spend a lot of time there. My idea of ice cream at night is to just get one spoonful out of the, the little pack. Oh, what has whales in it? Is there anything that has whales in it? What about Ben and Jerry's? Does Ben and Jerry's have any, like, whale-shaped chocolate chunks mixed in anything? You know what? That's what I'm going to go with. I'm going to go with Ben and Jerry because they're the most fun uh, ice cream that I can think of. So I'm going to go with Ben and Jerry's. And they have scoop shops, so you know. Ben and Jerry's is your answer. So, indeed, uh, Buster Bar is... Uh, and, and this isn't an accent thing, is it? You didn't think I was saying Buster Bear. No, no. Okay, okay. I, you're making I, I wrote, sure. I wrote down Bar, B-A-R. Did yeah, I say okay. it like Bear? Well, you were talking mascots. I just wanted to make sure that because, you know, so, so, there are... Oh. I've heard some southern people say bar and mean bear, so just want to make sure. But no, has... no, I was thinking it was like a like a like a cartoon. Fair, fair enough, fair enough. That, absolutely, it, 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 
they might have cartoons in their advertising. I never, I don't see a lot of advertising for Dairy Queen. Um, Me neither. But there are there there are Dairy Queens uh, in my neck of the woods, and the Buster Bar is kind of their signature, one of their signature snacks. You can you can get Buster Bars, and they're exclusively at Dairy Queen. So I'm looking for Fudgy the Whale is something that you can only get at this other place. You know, you mentioned Sonic. We don't get Sonics here. I, I, <gasps> oh, that's a Coast. shame. Which is really a shame, although I did go to college with T.J. Jagodowski, who is the dumb guy in the commercials. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so it's always good to see my old friend T.J. Uh, hey, T.J., if you're listening. But Fudgy the Whale, this may be, this may be a re- more of a regional thing. However, uh, are you familiar with Patton Oswalt, the comedian? Of course I am. He does about a five-minute routine on this ice cream store and the commercials that they used to run in New York uh, and down the East Coast. Is it Cars for Kids? <laughs> Bite your tongue. <laughs> we all know that is the theme song for that place. Stop it. Um, no, the 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 <laughs> Fudgy the Whale is an is an, is an ice cream cake, and this company they have one cake mold, just one cake mold. All their cakes are the same shape, and what they do is. It's it's Fudgy the Whale, but they turn it this way, and it's a tie for Father's Day. And they turn it this way, and it's Witchy Poo for Halloween. No. And you turn it this way, and it's Cookie Puss. It's an alien. <laughs> Look up Pat Oswalt and Fudgy the Whale. I'm sure you'll uh, laugh Try yourself it silly. It is Carvel. Carvel. Oh, yeah. I've heard I, of them. Yeah, the owner used to do the commercial himself. He had a gravelly voice. Tom Carvel with Carvel Cakes. Carvel Cakes. Best car cakes. Decided that to get you. Fudge the Whale. Father's Day. Just in time. Father's Day. Fudge the Whale. I know the name. I've never seen a commercial. Um, oh, God. I'm, I mean, like, I feel like I would could say we don't have those around here, but I, I I'm not 100% I don't know that you do, but it, 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 I think, I just think because, especially because of Pat Oswald, it kind of has... Uh, become more of a national presence than the stories yeah. are. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Like cars for kids. Can I give you the points? But, uh, you know, well well thought out there. You were all around it. You got the gist of it. It's analogies. You know. <sighs> the sorting hat is next. The sorting hat. You have two points. You have four points. What say ye, Mary-Kate? Oh, four. Four points for the sorting hat. This is one of our newer categories, the sorting hat. I am going to give you three items. You must then sort them in the order of operation that I will also give you. For this week's four-point sorting hat question, I'm going to give you three novels. You must sort them in order of most words in the novel to fewest words in the novel. So it's the length of the novel as determined by the number of words, not the number of pages, because printers can print it differently. So most words to fewest words. Here are your three novels. Gone with the Wind, Moby Dick, War and Peace. Okay. Let's see here. These all just seem like I would probably rather listen to them than read them. They probably weigh about 50 pounds each. I don't hate reading. Uh, these are just, you know, classics. Um, okay, so... Classic. yes, A.K.A. Uh, AKA doorstops. Uh, yes. Uh, take the uh, dust cover off and put them on the mantle because they look pretty. okay so um i am going to go with war and peace then moby dick then gone with the wind they uh, i i think i've actually purchased on audible 
two out of three of these, and judging from, if I can remember how long they are on Audible, uh, if you don't have an Audible membership, you should look into it. They're really long. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so that's what I'm going to go with. War and Peace, Moby Dick, Gone with the Wind. Okay. That's uh, CBA, War and Peace, Moby Dick, Gone with the Wind. That is your order. Yeah, I, I mm-hmm. don't have an Audible account. However, uh, How Fantasy Sports Explains the World, written by me, uh, is available. Some guy did an audiobook version of it for my publisher. Uh, he pronounced a lot of the names wrong, uh, so I, I'm oh. not fond of it. But, uh, you know, well, this is what I... happens when you don't ask the author to read his own work. But I'm not You bitter. know, sometimes it's not the greatest. I've read when the author reads their own work, and sometimes it's really great, like in a comedian's work. And then sometimes it's really not. But if I had read my own book, it would have been great. Right, Mary Kay? <laughs> yes, absolutely. I would. If you had read your own, I would have already ordered it on Audible right now. Maybe we'll make that a bonus feature for, uh, when I uh, have time in between episodes, because I've got plenty of free time. Absolutely. Anyway, <laughs> the longest of these three books, with over 587,000 words. Oh, my God. Yeah. <laughs> is War and Peace. Oh, boy. The second longest of these works has 418,000 words. The third longest has only 206,000 words. It goes War and Peace. Gone with the Wind. No! Moby Dick. I am sorry. You did get the longest, but you flipped the other two. I cannot give you the points. Call me Ishmael. <sighs> Solid effort. I got eight points earlier. I'm still riding high on that. Uh, I hear you. I hear you. You're riding the wave. <laughs> Riding the wave, looking for that fudgy the whale in the deep dark sea, hoping to harpoon it. <laughs> that sounds like a mascot's name. It it, it does. Absolutely, it does. <laughs> for what? I don't think I want to broach that subject right now. Could get a little X-rated, but <laughs> I'm telling you, it sounds like you have those little chalk like chocolate chunks in the shape of a whale mixed in with the ice cream. Yeah, Somebody... but they use, they use fish food, and then they don't have the you know, little goldfish that are chocolate. And then, eh, anyway. That's what I was thinking of, I bet. Yeah, yep, 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 because they spell it P-H-I-S-H, yes, and they shout yes, out to Trey Anastasio. Yes, yes, anyway, two points for I, Deaf, and Grandma, which is, of course, an anagram for Anagram Defined. Here is how this category works, Mary-Kate. I am going to read you a sentence. It is a clue towards a particular item. You should or could be able to get the item correct just from listening to the clue. However, as an extra added bonus, perhaps by way of double-checking your work, somewhere in the clue is an anagram of the actual answer. Got it? I think I might for once finally understand this I'm try- clue. I'm trying, to, I, I, I'm trying to explain it so that everybody gets it on the same page here. Wow. It's... it's Practice makes perfect. That's all. I'll tell you what. This has been the most difficult one for me this season. Uh, I understand. It is a tough. It is a tough one. But let's see how you do. Two points. I different grandma. Here is your clue. A painting from 1711. Maybe the first report staged on canvas of this astronomical discovery, now known to be the result of high pressure anticyclonic forces. I think. Oh uh, man. High pressure anti-cyclonic forces, so that's just spinning, spinning of one way. A painting, astronomical discovery. I'm thinking it's got to be the red spot, maybe? 
Jupiter's red spot. Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna go with the red spot. I'm gonna go with the red spot. I I, I think it's the red spot. It makes sense. That would be around the time that they're starting to gaze beyond, you know, what we can see with the naked eye. So I'm going to go with the red spot. The red spot on Jupiter is your answer. Now you're going to make me have to make a judgment call, Mary-Kate. No! No! Do I have the correct item, at least? I am going to be a benevolent dictator this time around. Because this is a new category, we are indeed talking about the planet Jupiter. We are indeed, when they first saw it, they could see it through the telescope, but of course, they had no oh, way of knowing what it was. Oh, it's a giant spot! Well, look at the words in the oh, question, oh. because it's an anagram. This is where you could conceivably double-check your work, which is why I'm going to be a stickler in the future for these things. But if you look at the words, report, stage, stage. take away the R, the E, the D, the S, the P, the O, the T, and you're left with the R, the T, the H, G, the E. It is the great red great spot. Red spot. But I am not going to I am not going to be a stickler this time around. In the future, folks, if you think you know what it is, look back in the question, find report stage, figure oh. out that anagram, and you'll it's a perfect <laughs> double check for you there. Oh, bless you, kind sir. I am not a harsh taskmaster. <laughs> Besides, you're the first one to even get that close in this category. Well <laughs> Yeah. Well done, Mary Kate. Two points for you. <laughs> I got if two it, correct that round. You know, if it had been the eight point question, I might have halved it, but. <laughs> Glad I did my two on that. Well done. The great red spot is the answer here, and you got 10 points in that round. I did. And of the possible 20, I'm going to add those 10 points to the five points you had coming in, and that gives you a grand total of 15 points. 15 points! Nicely done. We are heading into round four, our highest scoring round of the game. Three, five, seven, and nine now available to you, Mary-Kate. And here are the categories we're using for our fourth and final round. Kicking things off with Who Done It? Follow it up with television. Move along to Mashup. And we're going to close things out with our repurposed literature category, By the Book. But who done it is up first? Three, five, seven, or nine. Okay. Oh man. The jeez. I'm I'm looking forward through this and TV. I am really good with the very narrow part of TV, but as far as like broad knowledge of television, that is not my thing. Um, mashup. If I I, I like that literature is an iffy. Uh, so who done it? I am going to put a. I'm gonna put a five on this one. Five. She got five on it, folks. Boom boom. Uh, who done it? A biographical blurb. After I read it, you simply must tell me who done it. Here's your five point question. Winner of the first ever Ronald Reagan Freedom Award in 1992. In 2004. He was a co-recipient of a Grammy for Best Spoken Word Album for Children alongside Sophia Loren, who done it. Album for Children. Oh, 2004. Okay. I was in high school then. What was going on around the world that would have been a spoken word album for children? 2004. You know, I don't know, and I'm trying to play off of the science aspect of the previous clue or the astronomy. And if I'm thinking about somebody who was relevant in 1992 
and in 2004 that has some kind of link to science, I gotta go with Bill Nye the Science Guy. Bill Nye the Science Guy. Definitely still relevant today in the world of science. And I, I suppose he might have uh, a bunch of spoken word albums there. Uh, he likes to talk to children about science, absolutely. He's an educator, so uh, not the worst answer you could have come up with. Not the right answer that you came up with, but nevertheless, mm. a, a, a valiant effort on your part. The key here, I think, is that he was the first ever Ronald Reagan Freedom Award recipient in 1992. Ronald Reagan challenged him to be better in the world. He had a very noticeable great red spot on his head in the form of a birthmark. Mm-hmm. We are talking of Russian leader Mikhail yeah. Gorbachev. Yeah, in 2004, he, along with Sophia Loren and right. Bill Clinton, all were co-winners of a Grammy for Best Spoken Word Album for Children for providing the narration of a concert version of Peter and the Wolf. Oh, that great red spot link is... <laughs> oh, boy. Oh, That's a boy, good one. Indeed. Yeah, well, hey. <laughs> I, I think Mikhail Gorbachev was the bassoon. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> well, can I give you the points? But uh, well guessed. Well guessed. I thought that was uh, that was a good guess there. Uh, we're gonna move on to television. You have the three. You have the seven. You have the nine. What are you gonna put on television? I'm gonna go with three. Three points for television. Good luck, Mary Kate. Here is your three point television question. Silas Weir Mitchell played Monroe, a different take on a werewolf. For six seasons of what NBC series? Oh, God. This is where I said my my TV is not that great. Um, I don't watch a lot of shows on the, the big three networks. Most of my television watching is uh, either sports or HBO Showtime. Uh, not a lot. I'm, I'm trying to think of any kind of... Ooh supernatural shows which made me just think of supernatural i don't know what network that aired on um but then the other show that i can think of that would might be like a different take on kind of a supernatural thing might be heroes uh which i also didn't watch so i guess i'm sitting here thinking or torn between supernatural again don't know what network that was on um, or Heroes, I'm going to go with Heroes. And that's probably the wrong thing. But I'm going to go with Heroes. Heroes is your answer. Well, I mean, the good news is that at least you named an NBC series. <laughs> <laughs> you got the right network, at least. Uh, Heroes uh, didn't quite make it six seasons it's I had first no time idea. through, but then they brought it back, and oh. it was Heroes Reborn, so maybe it can't, I don't know. Uh, uh, save the cheerleader, save the world. That's all you need to know about Heroes. That's uh, the cheerleader thing. Yeah. Uh, no werewolf on uh, Heroes uh, Supernatural CW, uh, and it's been on for like 15 seasons. It's like, it's never going away. It's just, I'm... well, it is going away. They're finally wrapping it up, but <laughs> it's been on forever. <laughs> Uh, so this was a show, again, six seasons, that's not bad, uh, to last that long. It starred David Giantoli, who used to be, uh, he, he was on one season of MTV's Road Rules, and parlayed that into an acting career, so kudos to him. 
Uh, Silas Weir Mitchell uh, previously had been on Fox's Prison Break playing a character named Haywire. Uh, for those of you who watch that show, that's where he came from. But he played Monroe, who wasn't quite a werewolf. He was something called a Blutbot, which was just a dressed-up version of a werewolf. On the television show Grimm, Grimm, based on the Grimm's fairy tales and uh, mythology that uh, was not quite uh, your standard uh, monster fair. Yeah, it was, it was okay. One great. But it was okay. Well, I uh, I have definitely heard of that. I did not think it was on any kind of major network. So that's the thing, you know. Once you start Ooh. streaming services, like these shows, then get a life on the streaming services, and then you forget, you know, they're all on Netflix or Hulu, aren't they? <laughs> it's like once you start eating good food, and you're like, I don't want to eat McDonald's anymore. <laughs> um, I don't know. I still can go for a, a McDonald's fries and a Coke. Pretty uh, much any day of the week. Well, I'm, I'm a big shamrock shake guy, and then it's usually only one month a year, but this is, the, <laughs> this is probably the first time I'm happy I live in Eagles country here in South Jersey, because for Eagle season, they're selling the shamrock shakes, and they're calling them Eagle shakes. Oh, that's so good marketing, still, though. Yeah, but I get my shamrock shake, so I'm happy. <laughs> is it minty? Pre- Are those it minty? Is. It is minty, yes. I will, I will pretend to like Carson Wentz just to order the shake. Why not? <laughs> <sighs> All right. Cannot give you the points there because you didn't give me the right answer. I mean, there's really no, no, no there's no arguing here. No, this, we don't no, have to go to court. Totally over this. wrong. <laughs> fake news, fake news. <laughs> get them all right. Uh, mashup is next. You have the seven. You have the nine. Oh, none either way is going to go good for me. So let's just do nine. Nine points for the mashup. Uh, again, two answers smooshed together by a common word or syllable. Here is your nine point mashup question. Prisoners attempt to break out of a POW camp by digging a series of tunnels. They were not into yoga and wanted desperately not to be caught in the rain. Oh, God. This is going to take me a second to think about for sure. POW camp. <laughs> oh, I'm, I'm coming up with a big fat nothing burber here. Would you like a big fat nothing fries with that? <laughs> Yeah, please. If you can serve them up on silver platters, that would be great. <laughs> okay, I think I'm. I think I'm making up some stuff that doesn't exist. Yoga. So now I'm thinking about yoga and I'm, uh, like yoga moves, like downward dog, pulling. I think like down. And I'm trying to think of a movie or a show that has. Prisoners of War breaking out, and it has the name Down in it, and uh, something about not in the rain. Um, this is not happening for me. <laughs> um, is there something that's like water, sh- water, uh, something down? Oh, well, some watership downward. Dog. Mary Kate, I just want to say, I think Watership Downward Dog is one of the best wrong answers <laughs> I have ever heard. It's not right, but my goodness, that is delightful. That is fantastic. <sighs> I mean, it is so close to fitting uh, the, the logic there. I mean, if you can't come up with the right answer, folks, that that that's high-class stuff. I'm jealous that I didn't actually write a question that clued that, because that is brilliant. Oh, well, thank you so much. I'm going to get zero points for it still, but... <laughs> true. No, there was a point there. There was a point there in your musings when you were singing. Do you even remember? Uh... You, were, you were singing the line, Caught in the Rain. Mm-hmm. You were humming. I heard the melody. 
<laughs> you didn't, I, I don't even think you realized you were doing it. So uh, there was a movie, Steve McQueen, Prisoner mm-hmm. of Horror. They dug tunnels. It's called The Great Escape. Mm-hmm. Classic movie, The Great Escape. And if you like pina coladas, getting caught in the rain. Dun, 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 dun. That song by Rupert. Yeah, there you go. A song by Rupert Holmes is called Escape, the Pina Colada song. So we were looking for the great Escape, the Pina Colada song. I was incredibly far off from that. You know, you were, and yet you were so, so masterful about being that far off and coming up with a really uh. clever answer. <laughs> imaginary, imaginary points, imaginary points. Uh. All the imaginary points, but I cannot give you the game points, but uh, well done, well done. <laughs> <laughs> uh, give me a good portmanteau and I'll mess it up. I'm telling you, there are going to be people out there who are going to demand that uh, I give you the points just because it's a better answer than I came up with. That's not how this works, folks. Not how this works. But I'll you tell know. you what, my dog doesn't like being out in the rain, so, you know. It, it's, it's a lyric in the song. If you like, go, <laughs> if you like yoga, if you like... Anyway. Oh, yeah. uh, by the book is our final question in the round. Final question in the half. Final question in regulation. It is going to be worth seven points if you can get it right. By the book is very simple, Mary-Kate. I'm going to give you the year of a book's publication. I'm going to give you the name of four of the chapters from this book. All you have to do is tell me what book I am talking about. Are you ready? I suppose. The year, Mary-Kate, is 1999. And here are your chapters. The Dementor's Kiss. The Firebolt. The Patronus. Mooney, Wormtail, Padfoot, and Prongs. What is the name of that book? Okay. Dementors, Harry Potter, Padfoot, Prongs, that's all their animagus. Um, 1999, uh, I was in uh, middle school there. Uh, I started reading Harry Potter uh, from the second book. One of my friends in school uh, brought this book, said her grandma got it for her for Christmas, and we all passed it around in our group of seven friends and uh, started reading it from the very beginning. I think the first time that the Dementors and the Animagus and all of that is brought up, Lord, I hope I'm right, is the uh, Prisoner of Azkaban. I think I think that's the first time that Harry Potter has firsthand experience with the Dementor. Um, it's also when we get to meet Sirius Black, who is my favorite Harry Potter character. I'm going to go with uh, Harry Potter and the Prisoner of Azkaban. Harry Potter and the Prisoner of Azkaban. When you when you said "Oh Lord," you of course meant "Oh Lord Voldemort," right? That's uh... <laughs> uh, yes, Tom M. Riddle. Yes. There you go. <laughs> well, I would say that uh, since we had just come off an answer about prisoners trying to escape from a POW camp, uh, they put the they put the P in POW. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I would say that. That's quite the marvelo job, Mary-Kate. Seven points for you. The well done. It is indeed Harry Potter <sighs> and the Prisoner of Azkaban. I mean, if you, if you didn't have such a, a, a tangible connection, it, you at least had a one in seven shot at it. And uh, you, well done. Seven points for you. Yay! Not shut out in that round either. No, you were not shut out in any round. You got points at the half. And it all comes <laughs> down to this. I'm going to add those seven points to the 15 you had coming into the round, which means you are sitting on 22 points. <laughs> Can you believe it? 22. No. As we head into the confidence question, Mary-Kate, this is your last chance to try and improve your final score. Only one question is before you. 
Only one answer is required. I will give you the category, and you must, must wager between one and ten points. Get it right, and I will edit your score. Happily so. Mary-Kate, if you get it wrong, if you get it wrong, not only will you lose those precious points, but I am going to sit you in a yoga class (laughs) where you must plank for about an hour and a half non-stop while listening to uh, Bill Nye the Science Guy drone (laughs) on and on about atmospheric changes and climate change. Oh, God. I could take about half of that. (laughs) (laughs) So I ask you, on a scale of 1 to 10, how confident are you are in uh, what category? Well, as always, I have asked Mary-Kate to give me three potential categories. She has graciously accepted my uh, request. I have deviously selected one of her three choices. So, Mary-Kate, on a scale of 1 to 10, how many points would you like to wager on Seinfeld? Oh, I was really hoping to go with Bob's Burgers. Seinfeld, man, Seinfeld's so easy to find stuff on that. And I feel like I'm pretty good at Seinfeld. But I feel like you might pull something out that not so wonderful for me. But I have 22 points. So even if I wager all 10 and I end up with 12 points, I still end up in the positive. And I'm really good with ending up in the positive. So I'm going to go with 10. 10 points. Full confidence here. I commend you. After all, uh, folks, these points really don't matter. But, you know, there are, there are people playing along at home. So, yeah, do. it's all good. <laughs> all, all, you get, all you've done is now made sure that they root against you. But that's fine. You, you can handle it. <laughs> All right, Mary-Kate, good luck. Here is your 10-point confident question in Seinfeld. Jerry Seinfeld was the master, not only of his domain, but also of observational humor. What specifically was the subject of his musings in both the very first and very last scenes of his television show? Oh, my God. Okay, first episode. Let me tell you something. Last summer, there was a Seinfeld trivia, and I took down a bunch of notes, and I wrote this down. I wrote this down. Don't forget, this is the very first thing he talks about, and it's also the last thing he talks about. And boy, wouldn't you believe it? I forgot. (laughs) (laughs) I know on the first episode, they're sitting there in the, the thing, and Elaine's not in the first episode. Well, this is really just a kick in the ass. What is Jerry talking about? The, the whole joke is like the airline food, right? Like, you know, make the joke about the airline food. Does it have to do with the shirt buttons? Is that about, that's, a, that's a different one. Oh, man. The pilot, the pilot, the pilot, the pilot. And I don't think the stand-up has anything to do with what the actual episode is about. What is the deal with... Ah... <sighs> Okay, first episode of Seinfeld, they are talking about, I don't know, I'm going to say airlines. All right. Well, in the final episode of Seinfeld, as you know, the gang uh, gets put on trial for not not being good Samaritans for uh, basically making fun of John Panette as he gets mugged, uh, (laughs) carjacked there. Buttons! Buttons! It's about the buttons! Is it about buttons? Can I change my answer? Is it about the buttons? Because I said that before. My ah! goodness. 
Look, I'm I'm a kind and benevolent taskmaster, but you locked in. I did. You're right, and I even said it. When you I was did say it. I was so. Oh, God, it's the buttons. At the oh. very end, when they are in jail in the cell, they've been convicted, and Jerry starts talking about the second button on the shirt. It's in a no man's land. Uh. And they say, "Have we had this conversation before?" And indeed they had. It was a bookend to the very first scene when Jerry's talking to George in the cafe. The exact same conversation. An excellent bookend. Unfortunately, remembered just a few seconds too late. You said it! I said it! Buttons! Shirt buttons, the second button of the shirt. (laughs) I'm out! Terrible ending. <laughs> That's what most people said about to the this and to that show. <laughs> so in that way, it's very appropriate it that is. I take those ten points away. <laughs> very, very bad answer, Mary Kate Ocarina. Very, very oh, bad. Very, very bad man. Jerry, very bad man. Twelve points is not a bad score by any stretch of the imagination. You thought you were going to get negative twelve, so well, thirty-two would be better. Well, Mary Kate, Uh, thank you so much for being a hot seat. It was a delight. Is there anything you'd like to say? Shout out, pimp, plug uh, the floor, as they say, at least for the next few moments, is yours. Yeah, absolutely. Adopt, don't shop, and pay artists and musicians what they're worth. If you like art and you like music, pony up and pay for it because they're doing what they can to make a living and you're enjoying it. Sounds like a plan to me. I can get behind both of those things. I have two shelter cats here in my home, so absolutely. All... I, got a, I got a three-legged dog over here that's pestering me. So Is his name Moops? <laughs> <laughs> Her name is Pearl. She has an Instagram. It's Pearl has three legs with the number three. Very good. Very good. Well, Mary-Kate, it has been a delight to get to know you over the last uh, few rounds or so. You are welcome back in the hot seat anytime. But for now, get the heck out of my hot seat. Oh, with pleasure. (laughs) Thank you so much, Mary-Kate. Thank you all for listening. We'll be back again next week with another episode of Beat My Guest. Until then, take care and bye-bye. Y'all have a good time. Did you beat our guest, or did our guest beat you? Tell us all about it on Twitter at BMGPod. Also, please review and rate us on iTunes. And if you like what you've heard, spread the word. This has absolutely not been a Mark Goodson, Bill Todman production. Fudgy the Whale is back. That's a whale of a cake for a whale of a dad.